If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hello, chat. <laughs> it's Slightly Something Else with me, Yahtzee Crowshaw, and I'm joined by Marty Slaver. And I've got Hello, a, everybody. And I've got a bit of a cold today. I'm sorry to hear that. So I don't feel like getting too cross about the subject, which is a shame because it's Ubisoft, which is always a lovely thing to get cross about. Yeah, they've kind of become the, like, uh, the the... Not the pariahs, but they've become like the target of all of our collective video game anger. Well, mainly as it extends to open worlds, which is uh, what yes, most AAA games are now, and especially most uh, Ubisoft AAA games. Yeah, kind of their yeah, genre du jour. It's like it's all they make now. They've got the Assassin's Creed series. They do the Far Cry series. They do the Ghost Recon series. Mm-hmm. They do Watch Dogs and yep, a couple of yep. like a couple of one-offs that I can't quite summon to memory right yeah, now. Yeah, they did the uh, Immortals, the Phoenix Rising, the Greek That's God. That's right. That was mm-hmm. their answer to Breath of the Wild. It was, which I actually I liked because it didn't have like the decades of baggage that uh, <laughs> come with its other series, like you know the aforementioned Far Cry and uh, Assassin's Creed. You're glad that it didn't have you liberate the districts. Uh, no, I didn't have to. I didn't have to liberate any of the acropolises. Is that the Greek word for, or is that the word for district? I don't even know. They didn't keep record back then. No one knows what was going on then. So, as we were saying just before we started uh, the record, the open world almost feels like it's kind of done. Yeah, I've, I've been working on an essay on this subject for the upcoming extra punctuation series, but it really seems like video gaming was working for years towards this model. Like right mm-hmm. from the early days when we're going, oh, wouldn't it be great if instead of being stuck to this linear level, we could go anywhere or go invest, explore the hills in the background. What if we could check every window and every window had a, like a little house in there and a room with mm-hmm. stuff that had all been modeled. And now we have that and it's, well, I guess the AAA industry at least is sort of floating around not knowing what to do because <laughs> they got to make games that wow the audience when they put the trailers out. We've got to be wowed by the graphics and the expansiveness and shit and open worlds are a good way of showing off what we're capable of in tech but what can you do with open worlds now what hasn't been done in open worlds yeah and that's the tough thing is you know it was almost 20 years ago to the month that uh gta 3 came out and it, it feels like that was that was like you know if you were young and don't remember that like it was sort of a monumental moment like it was very clear that it was one of those in the present you could see history being made and you could see a you know proverbial line of demarcation where yeah, there are yeah. there's the games industry before GTA three and the games industry after three I remember um, but it, the GTA before GTA three which was you know it was a notable yeah. title but it never really like had the massive success because you know it's hard to get over the the top-down presentation and how you can only see like 20 feet in front of you exactly and it's funny that uh so rockstar just announced that they're uh, remastering or whatever term the uh, gta 3 vice city and san andreas for like consoles and pc and everything well uh but they're just calling it like gta the trilogy 
and they're just completely erasing the fact that there was a literal GTA trilogy before that with one, two in London. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. But, uh, yeah, it, it, yeah, it feels like, uh, the, the, the promise that was made with GTA three has already been delivered in terms of, okay, we can make this world, but we can make it bigger and we can make it more vibrant and we can let you do more with it and more expressive. Yeah. And there you go. And it just feels like we've, done that at this point and we've had them in giant cities and we've had them in giant wildernesses we've had them on mm. exotic alien worlds we've had them in yep. giant deserts yeah we've given players realistic abilities we've given players superhuman abilities we've let you do it alone we've let you do yeah. it with your friends superhero sandbox is anything you know what i think yeah. there's a lot of things that sandbox games these days have sort of like lost sight of you know, when we talk about open world games we're talking about sandboxes there's a lot of games you could arguably say were open world from earlier, like stuff like, you know, Ultima, open world RPGs, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, an open world. Arguably. Yeah, I mean, people would even, some people probably call Link to the Past open world once you got to that point, or even the original Zelda. Mm -hmm. But the point is that these the games are all, uh, they're, they're still very linear. And the point of the mm -hmm. GTA sandbox was that you could go anywhere and do anything you like. Yeah. It was the catharsis. And I look at a lot of Ubisoft open world games now, and it feels like they've brought, they feel more like RPGs than the traditional open world in like the original Assassin's Creed sense. Because if you, if you like look at Assassin's Creed Odyssey, the areas are flat out got level assignments to them. So you're only oh, supposed absolutely. to go yeah. to those when you've reached a certain level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've, they've taken, you know, the the experience system and skills and, and you know, equipment and, and perks and all that stuff. And even wholesale taken their menus and like Far Cry 6 and is, uh, you know, pulled from what Destiny did mm. in terms of like the faux cursor thing around a monitor because there's so many levels of information you need to know. Almost feels like, like the answer to everyone getting sick of the cathartic sandbox is just to roll it back to, so that's the to funny linear thing. gameplay again you you know we use the term sandbox but like a uh, uh, part of a sandbox is that it had confined boundaries it mm. wasn't sand as far as we don't call it like the beach or the desert it's a sandbox because it has confined boundaries and within that you're able to you know express yourself uh and and it feels like originally when you think back to like vice city or the original assassin's creed those were sandboxes that were kind of contained uh, but whereas if you open up, you know, AC Valhalla, it just never ends. It's mm. just, it, it goes, I mean, it literally ends, but it just seems so massive that, you know, that's not what a sandbox is. In a sandbox, you can see the, the each of the four corners wherever you're standing. Um, and I'm not saying that literally for a game, but I think by really leaning into the breadth of it all, they've completely forgotten the idea of like depth and, and creativity. Well, a lot of these like massive open worlds, there's just nothing to do in these big empty spaces. Yeah. A lot of I it's did, just providing the commute between missions. It, when, whenever I see, you know, uh, a, a game's PR cycle say, oh, it's the biggest map in the series history. It's like 10 Skyrims in one. Mm. It's the equivalent of like when David Cage would be like, look how large my script for Beyond Two Souls is. It's yeah. 9,000 pages. And your favorite movie is only 120 pages. And it's kind of like, what that doesn't mean anything. Just to digress for a moment into uh, the logistics, uh, do remember that uh, if you give super chats in the YouTube chat there, we will be reading them out from the halfway point 
of the uh, podcast. We do appreciate Super Chats. It's how it keeps the site going. So uh, feel free to get them in. I'm saying that now because we haven't gotten it yet. And uh, we know, you know, how Nick worries. Nick does worry. He's yeah. a bit of a worry word. Yeah, but don't worry. This is at the halfway point. We're going to shut up. Well, we're not going to shut up, but we're going to we're going to talk about what you guys want to talk about. Well, there you go. Possibly yeah. related to open worlds or whatever you want. That's the advantage. Maybe not. Of Who knows? Shelling out your cheap <laughs> Yeah. Um, what were we talking about? Oh yes, worlds being too big with nothing to do. Yeah. I always mm-hmm. thought that was the Red Dead Redemption problem, especially Red Dead Redemption uh, Two. Okay, interesting. Uh, go on, but I think I disagree with you. Well, it's just because there's so, like, so much empty space between things. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, half the missions are just going on a very long horsey ride, listening to someone talk your ear off about philosophy the whole time, and then shoot mm-hmm. some people, and then and then horsey ride all the way back. Yeah, well, there was there was like the the one time it played a modern song that was weird. GTA mm. tends to do that, or uh, Red Dead does that, where it'll just play like nice cowboy music, and then one time in the game, it'll be like, "Here is Kanye West. Enjoy this ride back to your to your settlement." David Bergstrom says, "Aria Two is gorgeous, though." That's the that's kind of what I'm getting at. I mean, all these games are gorgeous. All these open world with the massive wildernesses, your Horizon Zero Dawns, your GTA's, even mm-hmm. your Spider Man's, where you can go up to the highest point of New York City and watch the urban sprawl extend below you. It's it's all looks great, and I'm kind of over that. So, to me, there's almost a difference between looks great and feels great. Hmm. And yeah, every game <laughs> looks great. Like at, at now, it's hard pressed to find a game with when they have two thousand people working on a thing with infinite money. Of hmm. course, the game's going to look good, uh, but. I think one of the things in GTA is it feels good, not in terms of like how Spider-Man feels good to play because it just feels awesome to swing as that character, mm. but it feels good because Rockstar has something that makes the space you are in feel so real and lived in. And it's from little details like the the way your hooves, your horse's hooves track through the snow to sort of just how they construct a point of view and i think nintendo does a similar thing with breath of the wild to where i it's those few open world games where i just want to be there and Mm -hmm. i don't want to leave and maybe that's a totally subjective thing i always think a lot of the appeal in the sandbox game is the traversal like in your spider-man games Mm -hmm. it has the unique way of getting around i think it's important that it has to feel good and like intuitive to get around that's why i tend to like superhero sandboxes generally because that's usually part of it yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I think the, uh, the, I think they realized that with like the paraglider in Breath of the Wild, that that was like a fun mm. way to get from point A to point B and a way to construct the towers and everything. And I would say Red Dead and GTA, I don't think either of them feel good. Mm. Like, I don't think the driving is particularly good in GTA. I don't think the, the weird Arthur's weird physics in, uh, in Red Dead don't feel particularly good. But to me, they almost like lean into the experience of it all. You know what I think is a good part of like uh, creating catharsis in moving around a space is that there should be some kind of skill or effort involved. Okay. That's, that's, there's been a lot of Spider-Man sandbox games, and yeah. some of them don't do this web swinging very well. Some of them, mm-hmm. it's just press in a direction and hold down a button, and Spider-Man does all the yeah. web swinging. But the Spider-Man sandbox games that have all been really fun to play have been the ones where there's a little bit more skill involved in the web swinging. Yeah. You've got to, press the buttons with the right timing you got to angle yeah. it right and, and it uh, doesn't become 
Sorry, go ahead. And um, I was playing Far Cry 6, and I realized that every time I needed to get somewhere, I'd just uh, hover over, like, the nearest uh, outpost on the map and select mm -hmm. airdrop. Yeah. And it just instantly, you're instantly, like, skydiving above that spot, and you can just wingsuit straight to it. And while wingsuiting was fun in Far Cry 3, it was the fact that you worked up to that that made it all the mm -hmm. more cathartic. Yep. You had to find a good space to put the wingsuit off. You had to figure these things out. And you didn't get the wingsuit till quite a ways into the game. Yeah, and it's funny that talking about Spider-Man, in Spider-Man, I almost never used the subway fast transit system. No. Like, why, I almost why would always you? would be like, I'm going to swing, because that's part of the fun. Yeah. Why would you? You know what, yeah, you know what no open-world game does that does everything else? I mean, What's if you look that? at something like a Far Cry or a GTA where you've got cars and bikes and helicopters and jet planes and c commercial airliners. You know what they never have? What's that? Submarines. Why don't they have submarines? That's my question. Oh my God. And then make an entire like underwater city. GTA 6 should totally have like a little Atlantis under its Miami or wherever the hell the game's going to take place. I remember I was... Let you take the sub down there. I think I was playing one of the Just Cause games. It's either two or three. I remember like... A bailing out of a plane or something and landing in the sea and like falling under the surface and looking around and thinking why don't we more do more stuff here this entire underwater yeah. space is mapped out there's like coral there's fish it's <laughs> yeah. all worked out why why yeah thanks chat for reminding me there is like there's one submarine mission in gta 5 and it's all the more notable because submarines are so rare in these games yeah Give us more subs. Yeah, they should make an open world game based around subs. That's not subnautica. Like you got the land uh, and the subs. <laughs> I was just about to say. I guess that's yeah. It's just a game set in like an archipelago, and then subs are your main way of getting around. That sounds like it'd be great. Yeah, have one of the have, have one of the uh, uh, bond levels be that in in Eidos's, yeah, or not Eidos, but uh, your upcoming bond game, IO Interactives. Yeah, do that, Ubisoft. Hop to do it. it. It's on you now. Uh, it's funny. The uh, mentioning Subnautica is is also another example of where it seems like there's two tracks of open world. Mm. There's the AAA track, and then there's also the indie track, which is yes. much more the the who people who are trying to create an open world game in the indie space have to do so uh, with creative constraints, which can sometimes be really exciting. And, and mm. I don't have that much time in Subnautica, but Outer Wilds is a game where mm. if you want to consider that an open world or a sandbox or whatever, I think it does such a good job of making it feel expansive while simultaneously making it all very digestible. And you can put 15 hours into that game and kind of see the entire solar system, which I think is, is pretty exciting. It really feels like the indie open worlds much more embrace the like the go anywhere element i mean very few yeah. of open world games that we that we're speaking of are true sandboxes i mean like a true sandbox to be something like minecraft yeah where you can do anywhere and do literally anything it seems like the triple industry is sort of tethered by its desire to want to cover every base at once so it wants to have like the open world sandbox for the wow factor but it also wants to have this very like tightly constrained guided critical path mm-hmm and uh, I think it might be a case where, like, sometimes the one is best without the other. Yeah, and I think it's it's scary sometimes for developers and publishers to decide which one to go with. Mm. And you know, if especially if if there's so many of these games that are designed by committee, mm. it also feels like open worlds sort of all cover the same bases in terms of plot. 
It's usually yeah. about, you know, some villainous threat has taken over the area. We have to, like, liberate it bit by bit. Uh, we, uh, like, join up with a resistance movement. There's one mission where we get captured and all our weapons get taken away and the villain taunts at us from behind a, a fence or something. And it's it's also tough because it always contends with the, you know, the... the cliche at this point but the ludonarrative dissonance of it all to where mm. it, it, open world mechanics should be inherently kind of silly and experimental and and the, yeah. the the perfect fodder for like a funny clip uh uh to, to clip out and show your friends whereas a lot of these stories try to some like you know the far cry 6 is trying to deal with the 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 you know a, a very realistic dictator and and the mm. country he has under his violent thumb in an uprising but at the same time you get a crocodile that you can use as a you know fun buddy and then you get a, a gun that shoots out macarena cds so yeah it's interesting because the natural way to go for an open world to sort of really explore the open world is to have this sort of liberate the districts plot wherever things take over yeah place. and if you look at like uh rock, <clears throat> rockstar games who are like the you know the the inventors of the sandbox game they don't really do that they're always uh, very personal stories in mm-hmm. a sort of unrelated world that goes yeah, along doing yeah. its own thing it's more like creating the environment for telling these individual stories in rather than having the story be the environment absolutely and and yeah same goes for you know arthur and uh Red Dead 2 and it's you were even joking before about how you have these philosophical discussions with your buddies on the way and that's kind of what the mm. game hinges on so I don't know if uh, yeah I don't know if there's like a delineation between open authored open world like uh, you know like an Arthur Morgan or completely player driven like Minecraft where like there's really no like the st- the open world story is your story and when all these open worlds are sort of stuck doing the same story about you know liberating the air against the villains you can't do really weird plots out there stuff i was thinking about this yeah. the other day do you remember 50 cent blood on the sand i do yeah thinking, yeah that really feels like something that wouldn't be made today doesn't it yeah i mean again yeah. again where 50 cent plays himself yeah uh trying to recover a crystal skull from a warlord <laughs> in like a, a linear first person shooter so what happened to that sort of weird game creation yeah in like the triple a sphere at least it's definitely on the yeah i almost feel like it would have to be indie but at that point like who who of that caliber would sign on to something like that yeah but that was at least interesting to talk about absolutely and, and that's these, the yeah all these copy paste open worlds kind of aren't yeah and it, it's tough because it doesn't feel like we've had a consensus come together amazing open world game in a few years like yeah. i think a lot of folks with red dead 2 or with breath of the wild but it doesn't feel like the line's really been moved since then and occasionally you get something interesting in a game that might not be great like i thought the idea of play as anyone in watchdogs 3 i thought that idea was interesting even though the finished product i don't think was great you know um, what you know what watchdogs 3 did bring out which uh, is in like GTA and Rockstar games and isn't generally in Ubisoft games and that's sort of like the create the the player created uh story that's yeah we yeah. sort of invent your own reasons for doing things yeah Watch Dogs yeah. Legion sort of uh pull that off to a certain extent the way you get attached to your randomly assigned mercenaries in an XCOM game and start getting attached to them mm-hmm. they start acquiring personalities in your mind I think Watch Dogs yeah. Legion achieved that 
to a certain extent. A very flawed game, don't get me wrong. I know people think I shill for that game just because I worked on it. But, um, yeah, I do think it managed that. Yeah, and, and, and part of that was having, like, they were able to get Clint Hawking back, who was responsible for Far Cry 2, which is, you know, a, a place a lot of people want Far Cry to go back to. Yeah, a lot of people Far like... Cry, Far Cry 2 yeah. was almost like an immersive sim. Far Cry 3 was like the start of this whole current phase of Ubisoft. Yeah, yeah. It was a good game, the same way uh, Modern Warfare 1 was the start of that particular phase mm -hmm. of shooters, but it still... And it was also a good game, yeah. It was, it was a good game. It's just a shame yeah. what came out of it. Yeah. Far Cry 2 is always brought up as like, you know, the one that was like, had the niche appeal. Sure, yeah. And that it felt like it just couldn't, it, it, like Far Cry 3 needed to happen in order to bring the series back into like mass appeal. Yeah, but it was like following on a lot of ideas that Far Cry 2 was doing. Mm -hmm. like, you know, the charismatic villain, the uh, oh, yeah. the uh, mercenary gameplay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've seen like comparison videos. It's amazing what Far Cry Two had that got stripped out of later Far Cry games. Like the level of detail in that game, like the way weapons would jam, and uh, even just yeah. like, on like the physics, had yeah, more yeah, to detail than in like a Far Cry Five. Yeah, the being able to like start a little fire in the corner of a field and having it spread, or even the malaria mechanic, which again, Far Cry Two almost exists better in my head than it does. <laughs> like if I went back to play it, I'd probably be kind of annoyed by it. Um, and uh, another game that is the other thing is sometimes open world games like the amount they push back on me is part of the appeal of it and you get that a lot in the space um with like you know subnautica or someone mentioned kerbal earlier but uh i G think yeah gta is a good one for pushback because uh the way like, yeah the police keep sending more and more stuff after you the more you go crazy yeah exactly exactly and then uh i think that's stranding does a good job of pushback in terms of its movement not being, you know, uh, uh, classically fun, mm. but rather more mechanically interesting and using its mechanics to draw you into the world. And like the act of moving the character feels like role playing. Um, yeah, I get, I get you. Cause that yeah. certainly is the problem with Ubisoft games is that they, as I say, they try to shoot for the broad appeal. So they try to make it more like easier to get around the world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was and where, which isn't a bad thing necessarily. Well, I guess not, but that's where Assassin's Creed sort of went wrong for me in its like first phase. That I would say ends with Assassin's Creed Syndicate, where um, all they were ever doing to like like innovate on the formula was they just added more stuff to make the game easier. So they added yeah. in that game they added a grappling hook. But before that, then, like, you know, if you look at, like, the Assassin's Creed 2 and then Assassin's Creed 2 and a half, Assassin's Creed 2 and three quarters, all of those games do is just keep adding more and more variety of weapons and more and more solutions and problems that don't really require that many solutions. Yeah. And so that's why Which they it, sort of went back to the Is that the broadening board. of it all, though? Is that is that what you think that is? Like, the broadening of, like, to broaden its appeal? I think it was more trying to innovate, and a lot of the times when people try to innovate with like game, new gameplay mechanics, as I say, it's just making like adding more solutions and making stuff easier. Interesting, yeah, yeah. It is funny because yeah, you got the grappling hook, you got the hook blade, you got yeah. It almost felt like every Assassin's Creed would add like a new verb to your arsenal that yeah. it, it didn't really. It, uh, sometimes having new 
options as a player uh, complicates and deepens things mm. where it feels like those new verbs almost streamline things. Yeah. See, when you talk about adding new uh, like things, it makes me think of how uh, you need to have threats that need to be countered with a specific way, like enemies yeah. with specific weaknesses. Yeah, and um, it just kind of turns into like rock, paper, scissors. Yeah. They were trying a bit of that with Far Cry 6, actually, like the, the enemies with specific weaknesses. So you couldn't yeah. just uh, headshot your way through every enemy base. You had to yeah. have two yeah. different sniper rifles to headshot your way through the enemy base. Which again ends up feeling like the the destinying of it at all. Where yeah. like where you want to like all right, make sure that when we go out, we have someone who could do X, someone who could do Y, and someone who could do Z, so we can counter every uh, you know every variable that the game throws at us. Yeah, the trouble is when you try to do that and simultaneously have a single player experience in the same space, so that while every class has different abilities, they're all basically good at everything. In case one person yeah. wants to play them, yeah. If, if you want to want to emphasize that, you want something like Team Fortress, where every one's got like uh complementary strengths and weaknesses yeah yeah and no matter how good you are you can't color too far outside hmm. the lines of your specific character whereas in a lot of like co-op games you can kind of like i don't know the, the alien co-op game that just came out a few weeks ago like no matter which role you were playing if you were good at third person shooters you were going to be fine yeah like, you didn't that. really have to think too much differently yeah i hate that sort of co-op where it's just a single player game but they had a second player and all the enemies have twice as much health yeah, yeah. I, I almost, yeah, that just... Did you ever play Fear 3? I did, yeah, yeah. Kind of a silly game. But yeah. um, I did appreciate the way, like, the co-op mode, the two different player characters had different roles in the combat yeah. and different, vastly different abilities. I felt like making the most of a co-op mechanic, where a lot of these games don't. It's funny, I feel like we got... Uh, around that era, there were a lot of games that, like, weren't amazing but had notable advancements in co-op. And like, we had that, we had the Dead Space 3, um, one character experiencing sort of mental trauma and that player would see it on their screen where another person wouldn't. Hmm. Uh, and then stuff like Kane and Lynch, where, hmm. where it, it also tried to drive co-op ideas forward. And again, none of those games great, but I don't know, what's, what was the last like co-op game that did something like genuinely like capital I interesting I like know. i played a little bit of back for blood and I, I i think it's fun but i don't think it does anything all those games, remarkably different all those games your dead space 3 your fear your mccain and lynch they were all story driven co-op games designed for like two players and all the co-op games these days are like four player grindy multiplayer shooters yeah 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 none of those games i think had like upgrades or if they did have upgrades they were yeah. you know a small part of it it was mostly yeah. about getting through the 10 to 20 hours see all that stuff you were talking about is like innovations in storytelling in co-op games and i always think there's a fatal flaw in trying to do narrative focus in a co-op game because having the other player there inherently sort of takes you out of the game's world so it's hard to uh, get the kind of immersion you need for good storytelling yeah yeah although we did see i mean just far removed from i think the the open world topic of the episode but whatever uh it takes two and operation tango were mm. two co-op games where um they tried to have a you know a, a authored story but the the truly interesting story was the experience of playing it with whoever you played it with yeah. and that did feel like that was always the story i'm gonna remember from those games isn't the story they wrote mm. but the story of playing it with my buddy yeah i know what you mean it takes two really was an interesting standout there did you play A Way Out of Shashank in the chat mentioning? I did, yeah, yeah, the, I did. The, that was their, their game previous, yeah. I really didn't like A Way Out much at all, I'm afraid. 
that that was i think it takes two was a much better execution of the co-op idea like leaps and bounds i thought a way out was interesting and again i'm i'm i can i can never get too mad when a company like ea or ubisoft publishes a game that is actually interesting even if it's a mess mm. um yeah which i don't know if that's like giving them a free pass for just doing what people should do and take risks or mm. i don't know so in summary what ubisoft should do is uh stop just generally should stop just stop just stop everything well what do you what do you think would be like a quick fix for the state of the ubisoft's open world I mean, obviously there's no quick fixes in triple a game design but you know yeah i think which will never happen so i guess this isn't a quick fix is that they halt production on everything for a full two years and then do a company-wide two-year game jam Ooh. and then after that be able to decide where they want to go see that's what a company of that uh, was more interested in creativity would do yeah but i think they have just, i think they have investors to speak yes, to so they probably legally can't do that but a company just wants to make all the money in the world yeah um i guess it, it, like an actual thing that they could do i think focusing on depth instead of breath i yeah. think uh you know I, not yeah. needing to say this is the biggest assassin's creed ever but yeah. giving me a single city that is incredibly interesting definitely depth a good way of putting it i think i think mm -hmm. the smaller sandbox is the is the game i like uh prefer these days i was started fire cry 6 and then started on the starting island and thought well it doesn't look too big and then i noticed that i hadn't seen the whole map because there was a zoom out yeah. button and i zoomed yeah. out and it all started unfolding and i was like oh bloody hell this is gonna take ages yep i was yeah i really liked shadow of mordor first one second one not so much but the first one it felt like taking the assassin's creed thing like core gameplay and actually do an interesting thing with it in a smaller world yeah i mean the uh, talking about big advancements in open world games like the nemesis <laughs> system to me it is i cannot explain why every open world game hasn't stolen that mm. like I, I legitimately can't fathom why any game hasn't stolen that why right. wb's own games haven't stolen that maybe that's Maybe we'll see that in the the Suicide Squad game that Rocksteady's doing, but uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't have high hopes for that since they revealed it was a four player co op game. Yeah, well, we'll see. I think uh, we're gonna we're gonna see its its first big reveal on Saturday. At DC has a uh, an event called the Fan Dome. Oh Christ! It's like fandom, but in a dome. Oh, so I, see. I think we're gonna see we're gonna see more of that and more of the uh, 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 arkham or gotham knights that's the four-player arkham knight thing so yeah I guess, those both those know. games got announced around the same time and then then everything went quiet it's like a little teaser trailer each a pre-rendered teaser trailer each yeah i think uh, talking about open world games the game we haven't mentioned is i think uh the reason we haven't seen more of a lot of those games is because uh I do think Cyberpunk's failure has uh, caused yeah. everyone to sort of tap on the brakes and and you know check their speedometer and make sure they're they're going the limit well i do hope the industry triple industry in general has a big sort of waking up session and realizing that you can't just keep pushing the envelope with like yeah. bigger and better open worlds you need to like have a better hook than that at this point yep well, all right yeah uh, shall we su shall we super chat it up uh, let's do it uh, do you have a big look because man there are some there's a bunch of them and they're all prior to this yeah don't worry i got the uh the page on the 
I'm logged into the Escapist channel and Incredible. I can go to the page where they're all archived. Do do Perfect. do do. Ooh, good lots to get through. Scavenger gives five dollars to say which companies should be entrusted with the open worlds of the future. Rockstar, THQ, Stroke, Deep Silver, Bethesda. Notice he doesn't list Ubisoft there. And didn't list EA. Correct. <clears throat> I think um, if uh, if, I, if there was only if I had the power to make only one company able to make open world games, I guess it would be Rockstar because <laughs> they don't like churn them out; they bring them out uh, steadily paced, so they can put some like decent work into it. And as yeah. we said, they usually like um, tend to emphasize the narrative experience. They've got good characters, etc. etc. They also haven't. Uh... They haven't released like a, a, a critical dud yet. Um, mm. At least modern Rockstar hasn't, in the same way that I feel like Bethesda was there and then, you know, like Fallout 76 and that kind of stuff mm. got them on shaky footing. Mass Effect Andromeda, the same thing with BioWare, and then uh, obviously CD Projekt with, uh, with Cyberpunk. And so it, yeah. it's funny. It's just, I, I wonder if it's only a matter of time or if the Rockstar model gives them enough time to not have to worry about that mm. a couple of gta's were on shaky ground weren't they gta 4 wasn't like universally lauded because of all that you know having to go bowling with your cousin business those are just for people who didn't grow up either around bowling or cousins i suppose so that was a that was that was your problem really like the uh, main character in gta 4 probably my favorite nico i think yeah my favorite gta pro tag as well mm. Silver Scope gives five Australian dollars to say, does Marty or Yance believe it's possible to make a game that is as wide and as deep as an ocean with a good balance? No. 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 As we were saying, like we like uh, you can you can be deep or you can be wide, but not both. Yeah. Yeah. And uh I don't I wouldn't I don't know which game is able to do both the best. I, think, I don't think any game is able to, to do both of them equally, even but if, I think there's yeah. some games that can kind of dabble. I think even if technology could allow for a fully rendered ocean that's wide and deep, I think there's a human limit on how much actual content you can put in there in a reasonable time frame. Yeah, you'd have to go like the algorithmic route with uh, like uh, No Man's Sky, which I would say is the epitome of vast, but not very deep. And I don't know, maybe the new updates. I haven't played the game in a while, but... I don't know if they might pick that up, but Toffee just made some very alarming noises. Yeah, I tried to roll through that. I wasn't sure what was happening. I thought that was like a little demon. Yeah. <laughs> you're a bit, oh, okay, Toffee, you got a little sniffle. Oh, you're, but you both, did you give Toffee the call, uh, the cold? Or I didn't think that was possible. Around. Well, he, <laughs> he was uh, in a kennel for a cup for the weekend because we were up in the mountains. So. Gotcha, gotcha. Maybe you got a sore throat from barking at all the other dogs. Oh. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, where was I? Uh, yes, uh, Kira 0613 gives $10 to say, at one point Yahtzee offhandedly said the Metroid Prime sequels were kind of shared. Can you elaborate? Apparently YouTube won't let me quote Swearsy's verbatim. Oh, no. Metroid Prime, great game. Metroid Prime 2, it's okay. It's let down by a very annoying sort of light world, dark world mechanic that was really just punished the player for exploring. Metroid Prime 3 leaned a bit too hard into like plot and uh, had a lot of like sort of cringeworthy characters. Yeah. So I, I agree with you there. Yeah. 
Okay then. And then everything after Which Metroid is- Prime 3, well, Metroid Other M, the less said about the better. Yeah. And uh, everything else is just like more 2D Metroids, I suppose. Awesome. Yeah. I do really like Metroid Dread. I'm, I'm, I'm almost wrapped up with it. And it's, I think it's, it's wonderful. It's pretty personally. good. Pretty good. I got through, uh, like, I got through it over the weekend. I, w- I would say it's just another 2D Metroid, but, you know. That's definitely not a thing we've gotten, you know, we've gotten so much that we're sick of. Well, I guess personally, I don't think we've gotten it so much that I'm sick of it. Well, anyway, moving on, because we've got lots to get through. Mm-hmm. Handsome Aaron gives $10 to say, Mass Effect is a massive universe, but where you can only go down to planets where there is something to do. Would you consider something like that an open world where all the commute is cut out? Well, an open world where all the commute is cut out is just like a linear game. Yeah, with you know. just like nice little like nice little hubs, almost like Mario World. Yeah, where you go from level to level. Yeah. And, you know, that's those are fine, because you can, like, curate the experience. And that's similar. Yeah, Mario Odyssey does the same thing. You have to have a very interesting open world to like avoid that commute issue. Like, if you, like uh, the player can be on their way to a mission, and then something happens that's just so interesting they have to be distracted by it for a few minutes. That's that sort of thing. Not, yeah, not like yeah. copy pasted combat encounters everywhere <laughs> they go. Yeah, I always think like there's a lot of open worlds where they do side quests like MMOs, where you you got a hub where all the people are, it's like ten people with question marks over their heads. Take the side quest, and then you like plot out the route you're going to take to tangle all of them. I think the better approach would be to just have us out in the wild, and then someone like leaps out to the road and says, "Stop! You need to help me with something." Yeah, I think a game that did that pretty well, even though it didn't it didn't feel like it was reinventing the wheel, but it felt like it hit all the right notes. Was Ghost of Tsushima for me? Mm. Like it almost feels like the 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 strongest expression of that original Assassin's Creed ideology or maybe the assassin's creed 2 ideology peter parker sl gives five us dollars to say just finished witcher 3 big open worlds with secrets and stories hiding if you know where to look any other good similarly detailed open world games well it's hard to find one that matches up to witcher 3 (laughs) it's like pretty much the exemplar there yeah yeah cyberpunk was Um, going for that but but uh, wasn't able to quite nail it. Yeah, no. I mean... What's the second best game after Witcher 3? That's the... You almost, at that point, you start going off into more specialized things. Like, I think mm. the open world that Breath of the Wild does feels very different than, like, you know, the open world that Shadows of Mordor did. So I mean, well, it just Witcher, feels like... It's- yeah, what Witcher 3 is doing is, like, a written plots, written stories that you can, like, tap into as you go. Is that Skyrim? Maybe a Skyrim for the yeah. sense of go anywhere and stumble upon a little quest. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people felt that way, like about uh, Assassin's Creed, like Odyssey, especially. Khalil mm-hmm. um, uh, Henoud gives ten Canadian dollars to say just showing support. Thank you very much, Khalil Henoud. Thank you. Gregory Morrison gives five British pounds to say what sort of skillful traversal mechanics do you think would be fun, or what have you seen before that could do with some tweaks to be more satisfying. Uh, we well, talked about it a bit. Yeah, before. we talked about that earlier. It's uh, one part of it is like should be like fun and cathartic to move around, but also I liked there to be some kind of effort involved. Yeah, I like it to almost become a, a, a like a subconscious or reactionary thing in the same way like active reload and gears is a thing that you don't really actively think about but feels good to do. Yeah, and I think we mentioned Spider Man. Uh, I think does that well. I think Sunset Overdrive, which. 
uh, the, the, the act of traversal requires just the right amount of skill to make going from point A to point B feel really fun. Uh, like parkour stuff, like being able to flow from move to move really well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Mirror's Edge was an open world, but that's like a game that makes movement feel. Well, the, the sequel that everyone forgets about did. Yeah, everyone does forget about that. What, cat, cat, Catal Cataclysm? Catalyst. That was Catalyst. It. Okay, I got the cat all right. Scavenger mentions jetpacks. Yes, I feel like there are a lot of games that would be improved by the addition of jetpacks. Sure. That's like, I think grappling hooks are great. Yeah. Give me a hook shot every game. Uh, Kira0613 again gives $7.50 to say, can I, so can I just make as many of these as I want as long as I give you money? You certainly can, the Kira0613. You absolutely crushed it. Thanks for the dosh. Yeah. Mike P gives two US dollars to say, the open world that is just cause two, possibly yeah. in answer to something we said a while back. I think it was when we were talking about open worlds that are just legitimately fun and don't take themselves too seriously. I think yeah. Just Cause 3 was a really good example of that, and movement was super fun in that game. And yeah, Just Cause 2 with your hookshot and your parachute and uh, yeah, yeah. an awful lot of things to blow up, which uh, I think yeah. was a big uh, factor there. Mm -hmm. Phantom of the Night gives $5 to say a full-blown mountaineering game with Death Stranding's movement mechanics and in-depth cartography stroke mapping would be godlike. Love it. Sure. Uh, what was the modest, modest, not modest Yahoo? That's like the the Jewish rapper uh, Miasma, Mi Miasmata. <laughs> Do you remember the game Miasmata? I don't think I played that game? one. Uh, that was a, a, an indie game in like the uh, probably seven years ago or so, like in the sort of indie open world game. But it was about uh, exploring an island, and there was sort of a menace on the island chasing you. But you had to draw your map like using cartography. Like you'd look up and know, oh, that's that mountain and that's that river. So now I'm going to follow this path along it because that's what my map of the island shows. Oh, that does sound cool. Yeah, and I mentioned before I love Death Stranding, so more for. Death Stranding-esque movements. How, like, in-depth would you want, like, the climbing mechanics? Because I've done, like, rock climbing. There's a lot of, like, subtlety to it. You'd be able to... Yeah. Tell me where you, like, move your, your feet and your hands independently and make sure you're anchored onto a rock before you lift yourself up. I think that's... I think we're, we're at quap territory now. Mm. Or, like, getting over it. <coughs> oh, no. Excuse me. I'm all congested. <laughs> uh, Gecko Gamer gives five euros to say another good example of an indie sandbox is Kerbal Space Program, where you have to use physics to get around the solar system. Never played much of that, but I believe you. Yep, neither did I. It was. It's definitely like it is a sandbox, but it is very much for people who like this sort of you know yeah. heady, really smart, lots of careful planning kind yeah. of sandbox. It's pretty hard sciencey. Yeah, yeah. Scavenger gives $10 to say old RPGs and Zelda let you go in every house and read their books. Can sandboxes make places feel more lived in than expansive? Copy Cyberpunk, where NPCs have a life you can follow just indoors. Well, that's yeah. as we were saying, depth rather than breadth. Yeah, and I think the logistics of that is if you want something to be deep, then you just can't make it very big. Like oh, it has yeah. to be a building or a city. I always thought Bethesda games are classic examples of games that look really great from a distance. The one you get like right down to the on the on the street level, uh, it all looks kind of dodgy. Yeah, and like, are you gonna go in a house and just like take all the spoons and put them in your pocket yeah. and then like read a weird book that's in the corner? And all the characters are animated, kind of stiff and weird. And yeah, very buggily. Yeah. 
Uh, Neil Collins gives 449 British pounds. Who says his name is pronounced Niall? Whoops, should have read that first. <laughs> I'd like to see more games adopt the large contained sandbox levels of Hitman and Sniper Elite. A richly detailed sandbox level. You know the game I always think is a shame uh, like got uh, altered by developing technology was the Thief series. How like on Thief, yeah. Thief 2 you could have these massive sprawling levels because they were all very simply designed and not that graphically good. So you have these yeah, massive yeah. levels with like multiple routes and guards who like patrol the entire maps. They not just like walk one way, walk six feet one way, turn around, walk six feet the other way. So they could take you by surprise. But and then technology yeah. just doesn't really allow that anymore, except in like uh, your hitmans and stuff. Yeah, and a similar, I think a very similar, like Deus Ex took a similar yeah. sort of evolution. And uh, yeah, I do really like the the hitman games and i think that is sort of an open world approach that i would like to see more people try mm. like it'd be interesting what if there was an assassin's creed game where instead of being the whole world it was a series of like incredibly deep and interesting single location assassinations yeah. what like, if instead of like being full of crowds like hitman or assassin's creed it was just like a a mostly empty empty mansion at night yeah full of like patrolling guards who can take you by surprise yeah, I think it'd be really neat. Focus on like the one-to-one uh, -one experiences, whether yeah, it be sword yeah. fighting them or just bopping them around the back of the head. Yeah, yeah, that's why I'm 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 really interested to see what IO does with uh, James Bond because I think that could make for some very exciting mm. uh, mission design. Andy Pants gives ten US dollars to say, "Do you think that all the AAA games made for everyone is detrimental to the gaming industry, or a boon due to a bigger spotlight on unique indie games? Will it lead to stagnation or more creativity?" Well, ooh, that's an interesting angle. Yeah, so does the AAA industry being stagnant actually provide a boon to indie games? I I think so because I think if people are like, well, I if people aren't getting uh, satiated like creatively from AAA games, I think they're going to look elsewhere. And as long as they're able to focus, I think they'll be able to see that, you know, a lot of the problems people have with Far Cry and Assassin's Creed, you could find answers to them in indie games, as long as you're willing to sort of, you know, yeah. get but, used to doing that. But then you do need the AAA, because every now and again you want to play a game where you can go anywhere on a map and blow up all the buildings, like in Just Cause. Absolutely, and there's a lot of really great indie teams. If you look at their CVs, it's like started at Ubisoft, started at you know worked on X and Y franchise, and then formed own studio. Well, that was all the pa always the pattern back in Brisbane where I used to live. There were like a couple of like uh, outpost studios set up by THQ mm -hmm. or whoever, and then they'd get shut down, and then like 500 small indie teams would pop up. Yeah, so that's like a rare a rare good thing. You saw that with like Looking Glass and, and mm. Irrational closing down and everything. And Yeah, interesting. Chlick, Chlick Blimpos <laughs> gives five British pounds to say, no question, just shouting out Kenshi as a pinnacle of indie open world RPG games. Strongly recommended. Kenshi. Kenshi? Is that, is that that Stealth Assassin series? Tenchu? Oh, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Uh, no, there is there is a game called Kenshi that came out in 2013, 2018. Oh yeah, I'm seeing it on Steam now. Free roaming oh. squad-based RPG focusing on open-ended sandbox gameplay features rather than linear story. Okay then. No, I don't, don't think I've ever played that. Yeah, it says Rock Paper Shotgun noted the game's depth and compared it positively to Dwarf Fortress, which is another game that is Ooh. incredibly deep. 
So there you go. Interesting. Yeah. All right, just refresh the page. We've got like 10 million more of them now. Oh, no. Uh, where did we leave off? There we go. Schlick blimples. Mayank Dastane gives 100 what I think are Indian rupees to say, Yahtzee, how do you feel about game stroke movies which have it was all a dream stroke simulation endings? Uh, well, it depends how they pull it off, I suppose. Not a fan. If the, if the end, the point of the ending is that none of what you saw just mattered, then, uh, yeah, that's not so great from a storytelling perspective. But there are some games where it ends with all a dream, but the dream did matter. Like, uh, the end of Driver San Francisco, where it turns out... Yeah, that's a good example. It turns out you've been, like, learning things, unconsciously learning things from the TV in your hospital room. Throughout the whole course of the plot, yeah, I don't. I think it's one of those ideas that I mean, it's it, it used to almost be surefire for a little bit because of the shock value, mm. but now people are so conditioned to it that the shock value is gone, and so the idea isn't inherently bad, but it's just how you execute it. Yeah, and it could very easily go wrong. So, SVS Guru two thousand gives ten euro to say my biggest problem with open world games is the map being filled with pointless busy work instead of stories and not adapting the world to the premise. Assassin's Creed with Vikings, really? You know, I've always thought like Assassin's Creed is basically a series that's being made by the broomsticks from uh, the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Yeah, <laughs> they've just been given an instruction and now they're just going to keep following it. Make yeah, more Assassin's yeah. Creed games in new settings. Yeah, I almost don't think of the idea of Assassin's Creed like I, I I feel like the franchise could have been renamed several entries ago like especially with uh, yeah. Origins in Egypt and then you know the game becoming more open world RPGs I remember saying if you'd said Ghost of Tsushima was called Assassin's Creed Samurai I wouldn't have questioned it for an instant yeah absolutely um, and so yeah and it's, I understand why they don't do that because I'm sure they have a built in number of sales they get purely for the name Assassin's Creed I'm sure yeah. Apoor Valal gives $5 to say, just finished, we'll save the galaxy for food. Thought it was very funny. Your audiobook reading was excellent too. Thanks, Yats. You're welcome, Apoor Valal. Look at that. Just, just a wonderful compliment. Really need to start work on the third book in the trilogy at some point. Right now, I can't be asked. There you go. I got a uh, book in, I got a sequel to Differently Morphous coming out later this year. Maybe I'll think about it after that. Very exciting. Uh, Ray Zach gives $5 to say, I used to love open world games, now I don't have the time to play them, and seeing all the icons on the map, like Cyberpunk 2077, gives me anxiety. That's more a problem with your live service these days, I think. They keep putting them out, yeah. but all of them are designed to, like, monopolize a person's time, because that's how you get the most money out of the whales. And you can't Absolutely. really... You can, there's only a certain amount you can add to your daily routine. I think there's a there's a certain group of people who like if if you truly value you know uh, amount of time spent to money and which if you do that's totally your prerogative and and there's a certain time in my life that I liked games like the, the longer the better uh, I'm definitely not like that now but if you are then I don't know I, I can see why something like Assassin's Creed Valhalla which takes like 120 hours would be appealing. Mm. Silverscope, again, gives 10 Australian dollars to say, Yas, did you enjoy Assassin's Creed Odyssey at all? And if you did, what game story would be good for that kind of gameplay other than Witcher 3? Interesting. <sighs> what, did I enjoy Assassin's Creed Odyssey? I don't, don't that was remember. a Greek one, Greek mythology. Yeah, I know. I don't really remember enjoying it that much. I remember thinking it was all very samey. Even, like, a lot of the characters seemed to look the same. 
I do think in terms of Ubisoft Greek mythology games, I think Immortals Phoenix Rising gets slept on a lot and understandably because it was a new IP at the end of last year, but mm. um, that, that did an open world I liked and which was a very confined open world, but still felt like there was enough fun things to sort of muck around in. Yeah. No, I guess I didn't enjoy Sasquatchy at all. Let's go with that. If you, did, if you didn't remember it, you probably didn't enjoy it. Well, there you go. Kiro0613 again gives 10 US dollars to say carefully crafted specific games are better than mushy broad appeal games. In that vein, I want to plug Obradin. You would be right to plug that game because that is a Absolutely. very good game. Yep. Return of the Obradin is yes. wonderful. Yes, I completely agree. I think uh, we need to get away from open worlds and broad appeal and look more into the, the uh, tightly curated experience. Mm-hmm. Owen Smith gives five British pounds to say all this dread talk makes me think how about an open world Judge Dread, Dread Tower, one building, lots of stories. The idea of Dread Tower. Uh, I knew Judge Dread movie was pretty cool. Yeah, that could work. I guess new. I mean, it came out like ten years ago, so um, I don't think it's new anymore. Depends how you design the game, but yeah, as a theme, it could certainly work. Mm-hmm. Benny Hanna gives five US dollars to say, "I want more open worlds that change as you progress. Maybe even entire familiar cities could be destroyed as a result of a player choice." I understand that something Dying Light Two is going to try. Is that right? Yeah, I was at the. Um, hands-on, hands-off demonstration at the, the uh, T3 2019. And the, the whole gimmick was that you make a choice, what they were showing off in the video, was that you make a choice and what the choose you make opens up different parts of the Sandbox City. And oh. uh, you can never see the entire Sandbox City in one playthrough. Yeah, yeah. I thought uh, it wasn't necessarily player choice, but I really liked Dishonored, or not Dishonored, but uh, Death Loops visiting the same locations at different times of the day and having them feel a little bit different. And mm. I don't know if I liked it in execution. I think maybe I liked it more conceptually. Um, yeah. And like, there's a, there's a level in Banjo-Kazooie for Nintendo 64 that's called TikTok Woods and you enter the same level and it's the same map, but uh, in each of the different seasons and you need to do certain things in one season to impact another season. And I think that is really interesting. I like seeing a single location that you really get to see impacted by either weather or time of day or your own personal actions. See, back when I was making adventure games, I hit upon the idea of, hey, let's, uh, instead of like making a whole bunch of different areas of the game to take place in, let's just make like one set of rooms and that you visit them over the course of several days. And there you that's, go. That's how I made my game Five Days a Stranger. That, that's a little peek at how the sausage is made. There you go. It was all down to laziness. Uh, Olivia Nord gives two Canadian dollars to say some of the Deus Ex were among the really good. It's hard to call those open world. They're more, I'd say they're more hub They're definitely sandbox. Yeah, yeah. They're open world, yeah, in the sense of, um, it's like a small-ish hub with lots of yeah. different mission areas, not quite yeah. the open world sandbox. It's more sort of picking what mission you're going to do next. How, how did you feel about uh, human revolution and mankind divided? I wasn't the, a the two. I wasn't a huge fan of those. Yeah. I guess yeah, it's hard to put my finger on why. Yeah, probably just like not as memorable as the first day of six. Yeah, I'd say that. It feels like I got to the end of like the second reboot Deus Ex game, Human Revolution, and I felt like the plot had just gone nowhere. 
Yeah, I legitimately can't remember yeah. the, the stories outside of Adam Jensen. It feels like Deus Ex, like, impactful stuff happened. And also, there were some, like, cringeworthy moments that made it memeable. Yeah. Which wasn't intentional, but, you know, it, it gives, adds that little extra spice. Yeah, yeah. Aga Wagger gives 20 British pounds. Ooh, that's quite a lot. Saying, showing support for slightly something else. Great show, guys. Thank oh, you. well, thank you. Thank you very much, Aga Wagger. Basion gives five British pounds to say, my favourite open world, question mark, is Terraria. It's legit fun. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fun. I mean, that's like, uh, when we talk about the, the breadth instead of depth, that's kind of like uh, Minecraft, I would say. It's very Minecrafty, isn't it? It's pretty much yeah. just 2D Minecraft. Look at that. I did it. Yeah. Proud of you, Terraria. I'm, what I'm, was, there was another game uh, that came out recently that, uh, not... Nyota? Don't think I know that one. Okay. I believe that was a Terraria-esque game, but it was also very, uh, very leaned heavily into like physics and chemistry in terms of your level oh. destruction. Oh, yes, I do know that game. What was that Yeah, called? Noida, maybe? N-O-I-T-A, something like that. I haven't yeah. played it, but I've seen some interesting videos on it. Yeah, it was Noita. That, Noita. Was, that, was, more, that was more of a roguelike. Yeah, it was more of a roguelike, yeah. Yeah, rather than a build. A yeah. Building yeah. sandbox. That's right. Uh, where were we? I think uh, C we're at yes. CK. CK in Terrabang gives $5 to say, I missed the episode, but not a chance to pay you wonderful creatives you. Keep up the great work. You didn't miss the episode. You were a part of the episode. Oh, yeah. maybe you like, missed the viewing earlier. This is still the episode. <laughs> this, is, this is incredible. We're doing it, we're doing it live. Yeah. And uh, one last super chat, so don't post any more from this point on, because we need to wrap this up. Dakota Stevenson gives five US dollars to say, didn't Warner Brothers patent the shadow of Mordor Nemesis system, which is why we don't see it in other games? I don't know, did they? I believe so. I remember reading a story about that. But I think like the patent was, or at least the story came out like a year or two ago, so I don't know what was going on. Also, who cares about patents? Just steal things. Yeah, I mean... No, that's awful. Don't, don't do that. But I just mean make more things like Shadow of Mordor. Yeah, I remember. Didn't Assassin's Creed Odyssey sort of have that, like, sort of like a runty uh, equivalent of the Nemesis system? Yeah, yeah, and it would have like uh, specific sort of soldiers move up the ranks and eventually want to want to fight you and everything. Yeah. And also, we should be nearish a new Shadow game. Twenty seventeen, I think, was oh, no, Shadow, no. Of, Shadow of Yeah, yes, yeah, so that was f four, almost going to five years ago. So, are they working on an unrelated around? Lord of the Rings game? There is a Gollum game coming out. It's not them. It's like a, a it's just called I think the Lord of the Rings Gollum. Okay. It's that that weird dude crawling around and Yeah, I don't think I ever was like saw dirt. that dude and thought I want to be that guy. Yeah, I want to I want to be just bumping into walls in the dark and yeah. eating dirt and raw fish. Yeah, that sounds great. That sounds wonderful. I tell you what I happen to know was patented. Nintendo patented the concept of um having a mini game on a loading screen that's incredibly dumb and i don't think any other game that's it's a great idea and I, you wonder yeah. why no no game does it it's because nintendo was sitting on the patent for it was it nintendo or was it namco because remember it was like uh tekken somebody the, the first ones i remember was like tekken one or tekken two and you would play okay it was like galaga or something yeah yeah sort of thing was bandai namco 
It's a shame because I remember in, when I had a Commodore 64, there were a couple of games I had that had this thing called Invader Load, where while you were loading yeah. the game off cassette tape, a little Space Invaders game would, would uh, start up. And there was, I think it was one of the Broken Sword games where while you were installing it on PC, you could play a little game of Breakout. Yeah, yeah. And I've always wondered why did more games don't do that because it's a great idea. I mean, I guess Nick brought up a good point of that we just, we're having fewer and far between loading screens now in games. Oh, that's fair enough. Fucking technology and like, yeah, everything. Because you wouldn't be playing loading screen game very long on uh, PlayStation 5. Yeah, on your, your two-second SSD load. Yeah. Well, there was a game on yeah. PlayStation 5 I was playing that had really long loading times, and I was wondering how that could possibly be the case. I forget what game it was. Large was it Kena? Was it Kena? I was trying. I'm trying to. I played Kena on PC, so I don't know. No, I didn't. No, I played Kena on PC as well. Yeah, it was a. It wasn't a very good game. Whatever. Womp, womp. It, whatever it was. Yeah. Yes. Don't buy that game that I can't remember what it was. <laughs> you know what? Just don't buy any PS5 game. You might as well just stay away from all of them. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say no. there's any like system selling exclusives at the moment. Uh, yeah, I think there's a there's a few goodies, but I don't think there's any like you got to go out and get this right now. No hot apps. I love those hot hot apps. All right. Well, uh, thank you for listening to slightly something else, everyone. Let's wrap this up. We were talking about sandboxes and open worlds and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. we did it. Uh, I was Yahtzee Croshaw. And I was Marty Sleva. Uh, you can check out Breakout. That's the podcast I do with Casey and Nick. Episode should be live on Wednesday. And then on Friday, Casey and I are going to start streaming uh, uh, Dead Space, the original Dead Space at 7 p.m. CT. Ooh. And then you can come back uh, today in an hour and a half at 3 o'clock uh, p.m. CT for Hidden Gems Ooh. with Casey and Jesse, I believe. Ooh, fun. And for my part, my uh, zero punctuation for Far Cry 6 will be coming out tomorrow. And uh, I'll be doing my usual stream from 1pm Pacific time. Not sure with who at this point. We'll figure it out. Uh, so hopefully I'll see you all then. In the meantime, thanks for all the super chats. It's what keeps us going. And we did get quite a lot of super chats. Nick will be this was They were ultra chats today. Yeah, Nick will be happy. And remember to watch Adventure is Nigh, by the way. Because, mm -hmm. uh, you Great know, show. trying to get the more hits on YouTube on that. Yeah, no, and it's wonderful. Uh, it is. Even if you don't know D&D, check it out. Yes, and I want more people to watch it so that uh, we can keep making it because it's a lot of fun to make. Mm -hmm. We basically get to hang out with everyone and make up bullshit for a couple of hours. Absolutely. All right, I think that's everything. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Bye.